This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's time for our Zoomer Squad and a disturbing development on the long-term care file, which you heard about in Gavin's News. So the Canadian military is dismissing reports from its own staff members that pointed to residents dying from dehydration at the Downsview Long-Term Care Centre and Hawthorne place care center during the first wave. Uh, They are suggesting that these reports are, quote, unsubstantiated and came from emotionally charged witness statements. So uh, I'm kind of confused here. Does this mitigate responsibility for the carnage in long-term care in the first and also in later waves? Okay, we will uh, get expert opinion on that. And today is the first day capacity limits are off at all places that require proof of vaccination, notably restaurants and gyms. But are Zoomers ready to be cheek by jowl with other people who are unmasked, unmasked, excuse me, either uh, eating or uh, working out? Uh, frankly, I have to say I'm not there yet, though, to be honest, I have been in situations where I wasn't quite comfortable and I didn't walk out. So uh, maybe that's a kind of mezzo-mezzo. So uh, what do you think? Are you ready for that? Or do you still want to be cautious and uh, just frequent places that are not crowded? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and filling in for the vacationing David Kravitz, John Wright, Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. Hi, all. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Libby. Hi, everybody. Okay, well, let's start with this, this, uh, I guess, ruling by the military. And I want to read a quote from Samir Sinha, who is the director of geriatrics at the University Health Network and Sinai Health System. So they said, well, there's no proof that this death of by dehydration happened. But he says, quote, in the absence of death investigations and autopsies, home operators are not going to admit that people under their stewardship died of dehydration. And in fact, those kinds of hearings and investigations are only happening in Quebec. So um, what does this amount to, Bill? Well, we know that residents uh, weren't being given the care and attention they uh, required, uh, and uh, you know it's almost a crime that we could treat our frail at risk residents that way. So how how could such uh, reports, uh, I think the doctor called them emotional uh, reports, be be ignored? It's just another indication of the lack of follow up on any regulations or or uh, standards. Neither the government nor uh, the companies nor now apparently the military are willing to actually uh, do something other than wring their hands and say, what's that terrible? Peter, I mean, is this uh, sort of a way for the government to let these places off the hook, to maybe give them more licenses? It certainly it certainly seems that way. I, I find the whole thing very curious. Like, um, the fact that they came out and said, um, like, sort of, called these allegations un- unsubstantiated and emotionally charged. Uh, you know, I, I, they, they're trying, obviously, to get in front of something here. And um, and uh, I, I'd really like to know the motivation behind this. Uh, it, it, it sort of suggests to me, Libby, as you say, that, um, you know, someone is, is uh, shielding these two companies, um, you know, did they die? I mean, there's no proof that they died of malnutrition, but 
could this proof be raised? Could it be investigated? Like the whole thing just seems very curious. And uh, really, it, it sort of suggests that there should be a deeper investigation just just by the nature of this report. Well, I, I think the government asked for a review. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. And well, you know, they didn't have people to feed the residents. So it's not documented. And in a lot of places, my understanding was that the management was nowhere near the nursing homes. So, John Wright, what do you make of this? I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't know what's true. I don't know what isn't. I don't know whether or not, in fact, the military has excised this because, in fact, it deserved to be excised. I don't know what the government has to say about it or the homes. And that's the biggest issue that we have here, and that is we have thousands of people who, at the beginning of this pandemic, lost their lives. And that We've had some reports uh, given in the legislature uh, from, you know, a committee about certain things. But clearly, you know, we need we need a, a more fulsome report. We need some clarity. We need some transparency in this to understand exactly what happened. So I'm not sure whether the military, I mean, to suggest that the military is cutting something out because they've received pressure from someplace, I don't buy that in the same way that I don't buy that, you know, they, they haven't. Uh, done something because I don't know, but but I would suggest that right now this file has a lot of confusion around it. It's got a lot of things that need to be followed up and looked at, and I don't think there's been a proper process for that yet. Well, yeah, I mean, and and I'm not suggesting that they're caving to pressure, but if they looked for quote proof in documents, it's not there. I don't think it. I mean, it's ever going to be there. But anyway, um, movie- my, my question though, Libby, is like, how can they? How can they go from a, a sort of a, you know, a, a, a statement saying 26 residents died due to dehydration to saying, no, that wasn't true? You know, it just seems an awful leap to get there without any proof that it's not true. You know, and that's why I find the whole thing very curious. Yeah, you know what? That's that is that's interesting. There, there may not be proof that it's true, but there's also no proof that it's not true. Right. Though so, I guess the way the way we're required to prove things is uh, is you have to prove they're true and not the opposite. Right. Well, but Libby, I think the, the other part is that there is things called freedom of information. There are, you know, clearly if I were looking into this right now and I were a reporter, those are the things that I would be uh, asking about. Um, and and these may be the things, of course, of of uh, uncertainty that cause people to go looking and to find as much information as they have. They can't. I mean, there's great skepticism when something like this happens. There may have been absolute truth that it was unsubstantiated, that it couldn't have been uh, appropriately uh, reported the way in which the information was given. Okay, that that may be at face value, but the fact that the the file itself, the entire thing, is shrouded in mystery with with a lot of deaths, with concerns about the propriety of being able to find out what the information is. I think this thing's got legs. I think it's got life. I think it, it'll take reporters and others to dig into it. I don't think it's over uh, uh, by any means, but it, it speaks to the issue. We can't trust what we hear. And this just adds fuel to the fire that unless we get some kind of transparent uh, uh, review of the whole circumstance, then we're going to you know, just be uh, launching out on this sort of stuff, and it's going to hurt uh, the truth, not just for the military, but for everybody else involved. Yeah, and i and got to remind people, they're talking about the first wave, which nobody was ready for, understandably, but, but there were even more deaths in the second wave that everyone knew was coming. Okay, let us move on to a more pleasant conversation, and that is uh, about the removal of some restrictions, and businesses have been crying out for this. Uh, so, Bill, what do you think? Do you think uh, people, older people, are ready to be cheek by jowl with others as long as uh, they've been vaccinated? Now, the short answer is no, they're not. And we've talked to our CARP members uh, uh, in Ontario and in other parts of the, the country where these regulations have been have been lifted just a little bit earlier, and they're saying they're in no rush to get back. They're they're very hesitant. Uh, they're very happy that uh, uh, for the businesses that uh, people are able to go back, they open up, but they tell us that they're going to be very very careful that they're not ready to uh, take off their masks. Uh, sitting close to other people in restaurants and others who they don't know. 
uh, and uh, uh, risking breathing the air of people who may already have COVID. So it's going to be, uh, and also they're telling us uh, that they're going to be careful about where they uh, go. There are some establishments they trust more than others, and they're going to focus on them. So I expect we'll see that that uh, our uh, older uh, uh, Canadians will uh, go out to restaurants, but not as often as they did pre-pandemic. And maybe stick to those who are still keeping people apart. John, do you have any data on this? <coughs> Not specifically among the demographic that says that whether they want to get out or not, but I do have tons of stuff on COVID, and so I think what's being expressed here is uh, reasonable. People who are older oftentimes have morbidity issues that are um, potentially uh, more damaging than younger people, and as a result, they should be cautious when they go out. I think this morning, as an example, in the province of Ontario, we had 326 COVID cases reported of which it, it says in the statement for the ministry, 95 of those were fully vaccinated. I, I think that raises some concerns. I mean, I don't know what the conditions were around 95 out of 326, which is 29% of all of those things reported this morning, actual people this morning, actually having this. So I'd like to know more about that. At what point do we become concerned that people who are fully vaccinated are getting this virus again. I mean, it could be, what is it, 50%, 52%, 60%? I don't know. I think that it, it really uh, speaks to how our conditioning has gone over the last many months. And if you're older, you should take care for this sort of stuff. But again, it goes back to the point we just made about the military issue. And that is, we need some clarity. We need we need transparency as to why this is happening and where it's happening, what base is happening, as opposed to simply numbers coming out. Hmm, a little more detail. Uh, Peter, what sense do you get from uh, the readers of the magazine? Um, you know, they're, they're like Bill said, they're, they're cautious. You know, like they're, they're going to pick their spots. Um, you know, I, I, it, it, it's, like John said, like it's it just it's hard to know right now uh, what's going on with the with the new cases and the one third of them who have been back. So so that sort of uh, you know it, 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 that sort of implies caution and 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 they're not going to um, they're not going to flood out like the university kids are or the uh, you know I, I walk by these patios and restaurants and it, and it you wouldn't even know we were. Uh, you know, at the end stage of a pandemic, because it just looks like business is normal, you know, like kids having fun. And, and there's a great uh, drive for the kids to get out and sort of, you know, finally have, meet people in a social setting. And, and that's all well and good. But 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 I, I, I certainly expect the older uh, people, especially those who have uh, health issues to to avoid those settings until the all clear is sounded next uh, when next March is it or something or yep um, and you know it's it's interesting because uh, I'm trying to think how often do we go out to a restaurant probably you know once every ten days maybe and it's very different in our neighborhood and you look around and there are a lot of people of our vintage in these neighborhood places that are essentially supported mostly by Zoomers and. Uh, uh, then if you're in the entertainment district and mm-hmm. you look around, it's like, oh, we are the oldest people in the place. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's different. And uh, I think those are the places that will will be more crowded. And also, uh, they're possibly the places that are, have been harder hit. I, I think that makes sense, Libby. So, so like, like Bill suggested, like people are going to pick and choose. They're going to pick their establishments, the ones they're comfortable with and uh you know uh, caution is the is the uh you know the byword that, that's what they'll follow okay i'm going to take i talked to a, a, a couple of uh, seniors this morning knowing we were going to be talking about this uh, in toronto and they said uh, that although pre-covid they had been going out to restaurants maybe even as much as twice 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 a week for uh, a, a meal uh, they weren't going to go as uh, regularly. They they were going to go out from time to time, maybe to a to a higher class restaurant for a better meal. But they wouldn't be doing uh, their regular local neighborhood twice a week because I want to get out of the house uh, meals. And this is probably going to have a a big impact on the restaurant businesses who may expecting 
be expecting people to, to flow back quickly. Okay, let's take a call from Jody in Toronto. Hello, Jody. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. I am a senior, but I don't think that matters that I'm a senior. This applies to everyone about feeling comfortable sitting beside someone without a mask and not wearing a mask yourself. Just because we're vaccinated, we can still give it and get it. And that is disturbing. So this whole thing about opening everything up and pretending like everything's back to normal, it's frightening. It's frightening to me. So are you going out at all or just to select places or what? Only to families and mostly outside. Uh, I'm not comfortable with this at all. Okay, thanks for letting us know. Appreciate your call. Uh, John, you know, um, I've seen uh, reports that a whole lot of consumer behavior, if we call it that, is going to be uh, changed, uh, if not permanently, for a long while because of the pandemic. What, What do you see on that front? We've been tracking this since February the 27th of 2020, very comprehensively, almost every week up until about two and a half months ago in Canada and the United States. And we see a very, very substantial change in people's attitudes, basically, and, and practices. We've effectively had an embedded society. And out of that come all kinds of changes in terms of how you shop, of which we are all doing much more online shopping. Um, which is interesting because we tend to buy a Christmas card uh, for Christmas cards and other events now, um, uh, gift cards, which actually don't make it into the system for months afterwards because we keep them in our wallets, but we don't go into the store. So we'll see if that changes. But I mean, we're, we're having physical changes that we're recognizing. Stores are, change, are, are downsizing. Take a look at the Hudson's Bay across the country, particularly in Toronto stripping out major parts of the stores. We see it in, in other places where um, where you would go, not just for restaurants that have been shut down now because they can't survive, but to all kinds of other things that we were used to going to, to and also movie theaters, which will also be interesting. We see a great hesitation to engage in society. There may be more provinces that are more willing to do that. I have a, a, a son who's in second-year university in, in Halifax, at Dalhousie. He was out playing hockey last night. He's got a part-time job. The kids were out on the weekend having a great time. Most people there have because they've had very low incidence of the COVID. So there are different provinces and different states that are acting in a different way. But I can tell you, Libby, I mean, I've got a client in North Carolina who suggested that rather than doing, you know, work by Zoom, that I should fly down and, and see him. Well, we reported 326 cases today of COVID. They had 18,000, <laughs> and I'm not going anywhere soon. So I think we're going to have some things that are embedded, but we're also now going to start cautiously going out and engaging again. It'll all be around the, the protocols that those places have to make us feel safe. You know, I have to say that that, that some of it uh, is driving me a little crazy. So, for instance, I mean, you know, it's not about me, but uh, I'm happy to shop online for things that I know what they are and that they'll fit. But say if I'm trying to buy boots and they need a fit, uh, you know, like you order some, they don't look like the picture, they don't fit, you have to return them, and on and on and on it goes. I mean, it'd just be so much. And, and even if you want to go to the store, they, they no longer keep very much in stock. Am I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> no, Libby, I, I think we're all, we're all finding that, like, you, you don't sort of get what you order online, and it's just a little bit different, it seems, sometimes. Whereas if you're actually there, you could you could uh, make the uh, a better choice. And um, that I, I really am, am not a huge fan of shopping online. I, I do it by necessity, but I, I would much rather go to a store and, and actually sample the products. But uh, as John says, that's sort of a uh, – I'm sort of a disappearing uh, – you know, uh, group that does that anymore. And, and John, I mean, am I wrong? Because I don't, I, my understanding is that when it comes to online stuff that's returned, a lot of it just gets thrown out. So I don't really understand the business model with that. Well, um, that's a whole other thing. Um, if you actually go on Amazon and type in mystery box, you can actually buy things that you don't know what's in it, but for 30 bucks, you can get a value of 180 bucks of electronic stuff that will show up and you can undo the bow and maybe inside is something. 
really cool, really nice. I mean, that's where part of that is even being siphoned off. Look, I, there, I'm not going to buy necessarily uh, shoes online. But if I know that I take a 15 and a half to a 17 and a half neck and a shirt and it's 33 and a half long, I mean, sure, I'll buy it, you know, and, and get something that I know the brand is if I want books. If I, I've actually found that driving around now looking for that one thing, I, I've tried it since the pandemic is semi over. You know, where you go to Home Depot and then you go to Lowe's, then you go to Ronan and then you're, you're taking up half a day on your Saturday only to come home and say, I'll just buy it from Amazon. Like, you know, I'd love to go to Canadian Tire next on my list, but that's four places in half a day, so I'll just order that screwdriver and have it come to me. I think we've turned into a very convenient society where everything like groceries and all the other things can be delivered to our house if we want to. But I think the panel at the beginning, you know, has, has you know, suggested one way or the other we're still getting used to this. There are certain things we're going to go out to for to, to see at these bricks and mortar places, but there's a lot of it we're going to order in. And uh, I, I'd be interested to see how many doctors' offices are actually now opening up for people like ourselves who want to go in. And it's it's almost like Fort Knox trying to get to see the very people who look after us, as opposed to going to a Maple Leaf hockey game where you can get the tickets easily and walk through the door. So I'm, I'm hoping the doctors are listening today because I think it's important for us to get in and see those people rather than having to go through all the protocols that they go through. Well, you know what? Uh, I did a show on that recently because uh, the doctors' professional groups were calling on them to reinstate uh, in-person appointments. And most of the ones that I talked to have been doing it on a limited basis, but um, I think that's happening. Uh, I, I do. Um, and, and the other point that I wanted to make about driving to the four places, you know, um, oftentimes the old fashioned telephone works where you call them and say, do you have, and, uh, sometimes they'll actually have a look and, and give you a yes or no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just, it just seems impractical for a lot. And, you know, uh, I know that the cost of keeping a store open is high, but, but the waste, I mean, I find it incredible, along with the level of packaging, I must say. Well, um, I don't know how John, John's research is, is finding it, but uh, in our family and among our uh, friends in, in the Zoomer demographic, we're finding people are just buying less. They're, they're getting necessities online. They're even going into stores occasionally, uh, but they're not. And, and what we're hearing is that they're they're finding they're saving a, a lot of money. They because they're not getting out as much. They don't need uh, as many things, especially around uh, clothing. And many of them are just putting off those uh, purchases. And it's going to be interesting to see how that affects both the economy and what happens during the holiday season when traditionally people get out and do a lot of uh, shopping that's not urgent shopping. Will that happen this year? Well, I've seen a shopping intention survey that say everybody wants to let loose and, and spend lots of money, John. Yeah, but I think, again, the whole point of our conversation now is that we're, we're just starting to open up. And, you know, not only are we just trying things out, and uh, but to your point... There's a lot of cash that's being saved by a lot of people. When I look in the United States, the surveys that I was doing last year when uh, when the president, President Biden, put out the stimulus checks, we found that only 15% of Americans were actually spending it. 85% of people were putting it into their bank accounts or they were paying down debt. And you see the reports in this country that, you know, we're, we have the healthiest balance sheets in our houses and everywhere else than we've ever had before. Well, two things are happening now outside of our front doors that we have to be very, very concerned about. One is that the supply chain is being disrupted around the world because you can't get certain things. And it's not just microchips to go in cars, which are then being backlogged because of that. It's a whole lot of other things. I mean, when, when IKEA says that you won't be getting parts, it shouldn't be a surprise because, frankly, I've got lots of them here that are left over. Um, but, you know, the supply chain is having a problem. But the other thing is we've got a lot of cash and we've got few things that are coming in to the supply chain. So it's costing us more. So I went to the grocery store last night. Our kids are now at university. My wife and I actually go to the grocery store and enjoy it walking through there. I'm not paying $80 for a roast. Yep. I wonder to myself, how long is it that those 
things stay out there. Like, who's buying this stuff? Everything is through the roof. Part of it is because you've got lots of cash and because then you can pay more and therefore they want the profits. The other side of it is there are fewer things getting into the stores and therefore it's causing the rise in it. I'm concerned as someone who's now going to be a senior citizen uh, in the next eight months, you know, how much of my disposable income is going to be eaten away from that. So I think my my shift is not so much about COVID and being cautious. I think if you're living in your house or you're living somewhere and you're starting to have to look at the fridge or look at your electricity bills or your gas bills, that's starting to eat away at our own capital, our own equity. And there may be a lot of people out there who are able to save a lot of money, but I know that there are many seniors who are on fixed incomes, and this is going to become the bigger issue of COVID coming out of it. You know what? Uh, on that note, I, something that uh, we will be following up here on Fight Back uh, in the coming days. So, uh, you know, the official food inflation numbers is that it's up about 5% across the board, uh, somewhat more for meat. But uh, there's a woman out there who is challenging those numbers from StatsCan and says that it is really way more than that. And I've got to say, and, and uh, we also shop in person at the grocery store and we enjoy it and we cook based on what I find, I say, yeah, that's what I think. So um, we will be following up on that. But that's another, uh, you know, question. And people out there, if if your grocery bills have gone up more than 5% in the last year, just keep track. And when we get to it, please let us know. Um, before we wrap things up, I'm going to take one more call from Janice in Midland. Hello, Janice. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to share my concern about being around people out and about. Um, the, the local YMCA opened up, and I joined and looked at the schedule and decided I would go to an Aquafit class. Good. And saw that they would accept 30 people in the class, and that in itself concerned me. I wasn't quite sure how 30 people fit in the pool. I couldn't remember how big the pool was. Um, but it turned out that wasn't my biggest problem. When I got there, they only have one change room open for everyone, male or female, and all of those 30 people had to get changed in that one tiny change room, and then the door is locked, so you cannot go to the pool until about one minute before the class. Hmm. So 30 people are stuck in the change room waiting to go and disperse themselves out into the pool area. Hmm. Well, I found that very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're, they're wearing masks till they get in the pool. Janice, thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, it depends where you're going and what the physical limitations are. But anyway, we're, we're uh, out of time today, so I'm going to go around and give everybody 20 seconds, starting with Bill. Be careful. Uh, we're just getting into this uh a new new phase, and if you're uncomfortable, uh, stay home for now. Let's see what happens. Peter, yeah, Janice's call. Uh, there's a lot of you know. There's a lot of uh, changes that are going to have to be made. People are going to, ha- or businesses and uh, organizations are going to have to adapt to these uh, guidelines because it doesn't seem to be working. Oh, you know, it's not one size fits all, and it's going to take some time. And John. Well, it's a pandemic, and we need to be very, very careful out there because it can come back in waves. And not only should we be concerned about the pandemic, but there's all the other things. The flu's coming up, and if you're older, you better get your flu shot, and you got to be careful of that. So, you know what? Going outside of your front door, it is caveat emptor, but it's also about your own life. Okay. Um, thank you so much, John Wright, Peter Mugridge, and Bill Van Gorder. Thanks, Libby. Uh, Good talking to you all. Right now, we're going to take a break. And speaking of all that shopping online and otherwise with the holidays coming up, uh, have you taken a good look at your credit card lately? Do you have a credit card that is most advantageous to you, whether you collect points or cash back or whatever? We're going to get to that because it could be a good time to take a look at it when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. 
Welcome back. Well, now that we are getting close to the holiday spending season, it's probably a good time to take a look at your credit cards. Are you getting the best deal for you in terms of cashback rewards? And what about the insurance on the card or points, travel points? Uh, is that useful to you or will it be in the next while? Uh, and what's the best way to compare cards? Uh, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Ellen Roseman, who is a consumer advocate and journalist alongside Barry Choi, who is a personal finance and travel expert of money we have. Hi, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Libby. Barry? Are you, is Barry there? Hey, sorry, hey. I'm just getting some dropouts because of the weather in my condo. Okay. I got I'm here. Okay, good. Ellen, how often should we review our credit cards in your opinion? Well, it's it can be a big nuisance to have to switch everything over, especially if you're paying regular bills with your credit cards, because uh, as as we often find, even when our credit card is updated with a new uh, expiry date and a new um, CVV number, uh, sometimes you forget because you might be paying annual amounts. Uh, so um, be really sure that you want to switch before you do it. But the nice thing is in Canada, there are so many great blogs that help you compare in a way that's really scientific because there are many, many credit cards on the market, probably two or 300 at least uh, in Canada, and all with different advantages for different kinds of people. You know, like some people want the maximum amount of money in cashback rewards, especially during the pandemic, where most of your money is going for groceries and food deliveries. You want more money back on that. Many people do it for travel, especially those longer trips. Some people do it for the insurance that you were talking about. In terms of travel insurance, I think people over 65 generally don't get covered, you know, for um, uh, uh, various illnesses that they might have while they travel on credit cards, most credit cards anyway. But there's other kinds of insurance, like the purchase insurance, where if something is stolen or breaks during the first year, um you can you can double the warranty that you get from the manufacturer. That's a very good benefit. Uh, so if you do your research, you can get a lot of information. So it's probably good once a year to at least go through some of these leading credit card uh, sites like Barry's Money We Have and just see what cards they're recommending and figure out if that's a card that you might switch to and do better than what you're doing right now. Okay, Barry, you have one of those sites, one of those blogs. So um, what kind of work, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work for you to do it, but what what do you say people should know? You know, Ellen's kind of like nailed so many good points. You know, you got to worry about the annual fees, switching your payment. Uh, There's so many different things, but, you know, I'm one of those people who... If I see a good offer, I'm going to take it no matter what. And there's so much competition. Like Alan was saying, there's 200, 300 credit cards available at any given time. Everyone's looking or rather the credit card providers, they want your business. So, so the generous offers are out there. So I think it always makes sense to shop around. It does make sense to look at your credit cards once a year to decide if the current credit cards you have are still a good fit. Or is there something better? Because like what features are offered and what benefits are included change practically every year. So what you may have thought that you didn't get last year might be available with another card now. Okay, so so here's the thing. I just started to take a look. So what prompted me to take a look? I got a notice from my credit card company. Uh, you know, I have a cashback card and they would automatically uh, give me the cashback on my account once a year. It was fine. I didn't really worry about it very much. They said, okay, now you have to register if you want us to give you that cashback. The registration was a pain. Um, and so I started to look at it. Well, and look at some others. So they change the rewards every year. Also, there's this whole business about introductory rewards. So the same bank has, you know, a higher level card with a $120 annual fee, but they, they take that off the first year and they sort of calculated how much you'd get otherwise. But some of those, again, it's an introductory fee for the first three months. We'll give you 4%, but then we'll take it down. So, you know, like you, you end up just back where you started from, like, with, with all the hassle. Yeah, it's marketing gone amok. 
Interestingly enough, I interviewed Barry a little while ago about credit cards, and he, like many others, recommends the uh, Amex Cobalt card because it's like a cashback card. It's really good for travel. You get airline points. So I applied and got it. And then I only found out later, and it wasn't Barry's fault, that they give you a certain amount of points when you start. So I think I got 10,000 points. But at one point, they they were much higher. Weren't they, Barry, something like 50,000 points? And I missed Whoa. it because I applied then and didn't wait. But I didn't know, you know, that that offer was coming. So it's a very dynamic field, this marketing. And I think the point is maybe to confuse you and make you yeah. really <laughs> no have kidding. to go to one of these sites just to figure out how to, you know, you really have to calculate what each point is worth. And um, if if people are doing it on a computer, it's much better than you just trying to figure out in your head what's what's better. And, and Ellen, I mean, I used to have an Amex card, but then there are many, many, many retailers that will not take an Amex card because they charge a lot of money to the retailers. Yeah, but um, a lot of the Visa Infinite cards now, and I think MasterCard is Infinite too, they've raised it almost to the point of Amex. And when I got the Amex Cobalt, I got it just when COVID hit, and that's when I was doing my... Uh, you know, all my taking out food and all that kind of stuff. And I found that the number of merchants that don't take uh, uh, Amex is much smaller than I thought. I'd say maybe only about, I don't know, less than 5% of the time do I find a sign that says we don't take Amex. Mostly they do. And, you know, I checked on the one that I have. I checked, where do you get the most cash back? So I I was a, a little bit surprised because um, the most cash back is on food and groceries. And, and I mean, for me, I remember back when people in my cohort were, were had very small children and they'd be so strapped with mortgage payments and daycare that they would be lamenting, oh my God, I have to put my groceries on my credit card. <laughs> so it's like, remember what do I... The st- government wouldn't even let you do that. It was against the law to use a credit card in a grocery store. That finally came down. So I don't know if I'm showing uh, my age, but but it's like what now? So now, if I want to get a decent return on this card, I have to start putting it on my credit card. Yeah. So <laughs> what, this is what I love about credit cards. If we're into the game, I certainly understand uh, how it can be very frustrating for people. You know, Alan's got a good point about you know figuring out the value of your points, how bonuses change all the time. But, you know, just to use Alan's example of the American Express Cobalt Card, you get five times the points uh, at grocery stores. Well, American Express points are valued at one cent each at a minimum value. So that means you're getting five, 5% back when you shop at a grocery store that accepts American Express. But on top of that, American Express points can be transferred to Aeroplan at a one-to-one ratio. And Aeroplan points are actually valued roughly at two cents per point. So technically speaking, you can almost get 10% back depending on your card, if you use your points correctly. Uh, that said, you, you know, it does require a little bit of planning to get the full value. Barry, my head is spinning. <laughs> so like I, said, it's a I, game, right? I think it's we have to take another break. So hopefully it'll unspin and we'll continue this conversation. And uh, over the break, think about is, is, is there a way of doing this that doesn't make your head spin when we come back? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about credit cards and how to compare them and how to switch. So my question is, it is, is it ever a good idea to switch to something that has an introductory offer that you know up front will be taken off in a matter of months or in the case of a yearly fee uh, after one year? Uh, you have to be careful if you're switching cards in order to uh, transfer a balance because a lot of uh, companies offer a balance transfer at a very low rate, say less than 10%. But if that disappears after three months, even six months, and you're still in a bad position, then that, you know, in terms of being able to pay it off, then that rate will go up quite a bit. And the other thing that people don't realize is when you get a new card, in order to pay off a balance, you should make sure that you never use that card for anything other than balance transfer payments. Because if you use it for purchases, they don't make it clear often, but you're paying like 21% or 21% plus for purchases. So don't assume if you've got a, a very low balance transfer rate that will apply to anything else you put on your credit card. Okay. Uh, Barry, what about if uh, the balance isn't an issue? Uh, you just want to get a better deal? Yeah. 
So, you know, let's assume now debt is an issue. You're always paying off your bills on time, and you're strictly looking at the welcome bonus or sign-up offer, as many people refer to as. So what's nice about the sign-up offer, it's, it's a one-time deal. You know, you might get 50,000 points, 100,000 points if you spend a minimum amount, 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, whatever. Uh, my point is, if you know you're going to spend that money naturally, let's just say you're doing a home renovation, you got to pay your insurance, your car insurance, your home insurance, and you're going to spend it anyways, it's, you might as well take advantage of that bonus because that bonus, depending on what you're getting, could be hundreds of dollars or possibly thousands of dollars. Now, you bring up a very good point about the annual fee being waived for the first year and the second year you might have to pay for it. Well, the thing is, if you're a regular customer, you can often call the credit card company right one to 12 months about the company like, listen, I want to keep this card. Annual fee is too much. Can you rebate it? Quite often they'll say yes. I if was going. Get, I was just yeah. going to ask about that because we used to uh, always do that with with cell phones or with cable, and uh, you get <laughs> transferred to the retention department. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing. It's like now it's like uh, unlike cell phones, you don't have to go through like ten different departments hoping that you get a little discount. Like customer service can give you an answer right away. Really? So if they can't right, give you. Right. Yeah, if, if they can't give you like say the hundred twenty dollars back, what they might offer you is something that's worth your while. They might be like, well, we can't give you $120 off, but we'll give you 50,000 points, which might be worth $50. So you do basic math. You're paying $70. Is it still worth it? That's a question for you to answer. But right. on top of that, right, like keep in mind, a lot of banks, say you get your credit card from Scotiabank, TD Bank, Royal Bank, whoever, if you have certain banking packages with them, they'll give you a premium credit card for free. So they're trying to just retain your business. So there are a few ways to get around those annual fees. Yeah, we have a bank uh, credit card, not the uh, Amex, and uh, we have a personal banker who who, uh, my husband likes to use for investments, and she just voluntarily said, I can rebate the the annual fee of your credit card, and we didn't even ask, so it, it definitely is something that is worth asking about. Well, yeah, I, I I tried to go the a personal. Well, I have a personal banker that is way over that I haven't used for a while, and I try to use some people in the neighborhood here. And the last time I asked them to intervene with something, he got all flustered and saying, "I can't get through to them any faster than you can." I mean, <laughs> well, you know, forget personal bankers for a second. Like, you know, let's assume a regular person off the street is going to the bank. You know, one good example is that TD has an all-inclusive account. And if you have that account, they automatically give you a premium credit card, anyone with $120 fee, uh, free. Uh, the flip side of things is you have to pay roughly about $25 every single month to have this account. But on top of that, if you keep a minimum balance of $5,000, they waive that fee. So there are, there are a few ways to get around the fees. But again, you need that money in the account. You got to maybe qualify it for so So some people in certain positions will be able to get it for free. And unfortunately, not everyone will be. And that's where you would want to look at a no annual fee card instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I always thought that was that was the best. But again, you know, I think that when I got it, there was four percent cash back, and now it's probably one percent cash back, <laughs> and you have to sign up for it. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what 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 is behind that? Are they just hoping that yeah. people won't get around to it? No, what it is now these days, it's um, a lot of cash back credit cards because the problem is they were competing with travel cards that could easily uh, be like, hey. Sun for us would be 20,000, 30,000 points. And cashback really didn't have much to offer. So their way around that was giving you an increased cashback uh, for, you know, one month, two months for X percentage. But if you're going to go for a cashback card, what you really should look for more than anything else, and it doesn't matter what your income level is and what credit card you want, look at the earn rates, the, the regular earn rates. So if one card is offering you, you know, 3% on groceries, 2% on gas, and you happen to spend the most money on groceries and gas, that's a credit card for you. Very, very convenient. You want a credit card that lines up with your spending, your natural spending. Uh, that's how I recommend people choose a credit card. Right. I've covered credit cards forever, you know, in the, in the newspapers. And what I found is that it's all based on what works, right? So it, they, they start out like tangerine when they finally put out a credit card. It was really generous. And then the next year, they pulled back some of those things because they found it was too expensive. So there's nothing written in stone about the level of benefits. And uh, if you're an Aeroplan person, they've just revamped it all. And I see that Air Miles is about to revamp it too. Remember, at one point, you could buy a car by using your credit card and gaining points. And then those car offers got... I think it's still uh, offers. Nixed. Go well, to bank GM cards. Well, I, I, this is just personal experience. Experience. I used to get um, airline tickets, air miles all the time. That, like that ended, that was a, a no-go, and I find that useless. I got a 
an airline ticket on Aeroplan. It was the first time I was able to do that in like 20 years mm-hmm. to get so, one without taking three flights to Vancouver. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's a little better. So this ties in all together. Like, as Libby, I'm sure you and Alan, I know you know, uh, Aeroplan recently got acquired by Air Canada a couple yeah. years back. Uh, now it's an in-house program. So last year when they relaunched the program, it's never been easier to uh, claim a seat now. Uh, <laughs> Libby, you are 100% right. It used to take three stopper overs to get to Vancouver mm-hmm. for a reasonable amount of points. If you wanted to direct, it was going to cost you an arm and a leg. I'm literally mean an arm and a leg. Right? <laughs> but, but also, now it's aeroplane. better to have an aeroplane credit card than just to have the points without a credit card because you have to remain active as an aeroplane member and they can take it away after a certain amount of time if you have no uh, collection or redemption of points. Yeah. But if you have the credit card, you're using it every month, so you're never going to have your points zapped as some people have discovered. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had my, my points zapped The other question that I have, because I think people are starting to get ready uh, to travel again, Mm -hmm. uh, is uh, I think that the only company that offers uh, foreign currency transactions without special fees is Brim. Am I right? Uh, No, there's over a dozen cards now uh, that offer no foreign exchange fees on the credit cards. Uh, Scotiabank has two credit cards, Scotiabank, uh, Gold American Express, Scotiabank, it's internet card, some other brands uh, out there. BMO Home too? Trust, uh, BMO does not have one. Scotiabank's the only major bank that has no foreign exchange fees on a few select cards. I think uh, Rogers has it on their cards, don't they? Rogers used to have it. Yeah. They got rid of it. Uh, oh. Now, for foreign transactions, it's only 1.5% uh, back in cashback. But for reference, so people at home may now be aware, whenever you make a purchase in a currency that's not in Canadian dollars, you normally pay 2.5% in fees. A lot of times you don't see it because it's baked right into the exchange rate. But if you have a card that doesn't charge that, you save two and a half percent every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's take a call from Sita in Mississauga. Hi, Sita. Hi, everyone. Hi, Libby. Go ahead. Hi. Um, it's all about saving and gain something. So why pay an annual fee? Why not use an no annual fee card and still gain points and cash back? Canadian Tire does that. TD also, uh, you have that. Small gain, less stress. I will. Okay, Sita, I'm going to let you go. I'll let our experts answer. So well, one cashback that card that's free that I like is PC uh, Optimum, and uh, that gives you lots of points at uh, uh, Loblaws and all their affiliated stores plus Shoppers Drug Mart. But in general, I'd, I'd uh, concede to Barry on this that some of the <laughs> cards with the higher fees do offer better benefits that you can't get without a fee. That's exactly it. You basically you have to use basic map. Is annual fee what you're paying for? Do you get more in the benefits? So we talked about the welcome bonus. If you're paying $120, $150 for the fee, but the welcome bonus is worth, it's worth $500 to $1,000, you're making it up in a few years easily. Or even think about the secondary benefits. Uh, travel insurance, mobile de- mobile device insurance, uh, roadside assistance, lounge passes. That stuff all adds up. A lot of them are yearly benefits. So paying that annual fee can be worth it as long as you're using those benefits. Okay, and I, I really like the pointer that that now I'm thinking maybe I trade up to one that waives the fee, and then uh, I have to remember when it comes due, I then call them up and say, hey, if you want to keep me as a customer, lose the fee. <laughs> That's a, a very common strategy that people utilize all the time, and I personally do it. I love it. Uh, keep in mind that also within your bank, you can switch credit cards. Uh, so if you're with, you know, Scotiabank, you have one credit card, you can switch to something else that has a current new welcome bonus that could be worth your while. Again, uh, Libby, I certainly understand a lot of people don't want to do this. Uh, but as a consumer, you should always be looking out for your own best interest and not let the credit card providers control what you're paying. And um, let's get to uh, some favorite picks. So, Ellen, do you have any favorite picks for a credit card? Um. Well, there's there's nothing like getting uh, a big discount in your grocery bill, sometimes getting your grocery bill paid for. So even if uh, the PC Optimum isn't always in the list of the top cards, it still is very psychologically satisfying to use, and you can use it for your gas as well. Unfortunately, I'm not driving as much, so I'm not making as many points on that, but uh, the, the price of gas has gone up, so I like that one. And uh, if you do like to travel, um, you know, one of those uh, travel rewards cards uh, I'd say that 
you know, we're complaining that it's complex, but we shouldn't, we should be grateful that we have so many sources of information on the Canadian credit card market. It's quite a crowded market. And there are lots of analyses out there about which credit card is the best for which kind of person. And they have so many categories, you know, like young professionals who are spending money on this. And uh, so there, there are many, many different kinds of categories. So just start looking around and eventually you'll start to see the same names pop up. And those are probably the ones that you should consider. And Barry, Uh, do you have favorites? Yeah, like one thing to quickly add, which we haven't talked about is, and I hate to say this and call it out loud, but a lot of these websites are a little biased. Uh, a lot of these sites, you know, they make commission whenever someone signs up for a credit card. So Ellen had a good point. You know, you don't see the PC Financial MasterCard on a lot of credit card sites because they don't have an affiliate program. I was still in mind because Ellen's right. It's, it's easily one of the best uh, credit cards out there for grocery stores. You know, one site that I personally like a lot because I know they're honest, they don't care about the affiliate income or not, is Credit Card Genius. They have a very fair comparison all the time. But as far as the credit card that I personally like, if you're into points and travel, the American Express Cobalt, it's got some of the highest earn rates and the points are the most flexible. And, and you know, if you're looking for a no-fee cashback card, the Tangerine Money Back card is, is an excellent choice. Okay, uh, we are getting very close to being out of time. So, Ellen, just to sum up, what would you leave us with on this? If you've had the same credit card forever and ever, and you're just sitting around thinking, I can't be bothered switching, it's too much work, get over it, right? <laughs> Start figuring out if there is a better credit card for you. And maybe you can keep the old one for a while and get a new one too. You know, as long as your income's okay, you'll get approved for both. So uh, don't worry about it, but just get off your backside and start looking because there is a wealth of great cards out there. Oh, I have another quick question. So I know that I have a couple of credit cards that I haven't used for ages, but I'm sure they're still on my credit rating or whatever. How do you get rid of them? Well, sometimes I've heard from consumers when they call the company to cancel, they're immediately offered a much lower rate, like (laughs) half what they were paying before. So do that and see what happens. No, I don't need them. Oh, okay. <laughs> get rid of them. Yeah, them. Just call and say, get get rid of this? If you already have another credit card, you're still building your credit history. Sure, your oldest credit card counts a little bit, but if you've been using cards for decades, I wouldn't be concerned about it. Just cancel the card. You don't need it. Okay. And Barry, what's your favorite card? 20 seconds. Uh, you know, I already talked about the Cobalt, but one thing to quickly add to Ellen is uh, you don't have to switch your credit card. You can always just apply for another one. If you see a good offer, go for it. And then when it's about to be due for the annual fee again, cancel it. Okay. All great advice. uh, And uh, get over it if you think it's too much trouble. On that note, we'll wrap things up. Thank you so much, Ellen Roseman and Barry Choi. And that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.